0: There's a difference between loaning your your family money and investing with your family. There's two examples of this. Uh, the first one would be Nipsey Hussle and his brother, Black Sam. Mm-hmm. They were in business together. They got strip mall together. They they were doing um, the, the properties in Atlanta together. They were doing it together. It wasn't like, Oh, let me hold some money and I'll pay you back. They were in business together. Right. Rick Ross is another example. When his family members were coming to him, he asked them to come with a uh, like a a, a business plan. He didn't just give his mother and his aunt money. He was like, here, we're going to go in together on these uh, wing stops. Mom, me and you are going to ha- own this wing stop together. My aunt, same thing, this wing stop together. We're, we're going to go into business together. And I think that having that type of relationship is not only is it safer, but it keeps people from feeling like, oh, I'm just going to keep running to you for money. No, we're going to make money together.
1: This episode is brought to you by 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches.com Use code TODDCAPITAL at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches That's at T-W-E-N-T-Y-4-7-watches. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Klein blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book Smartphone Millionaire, How to Lend to People, Real Estate, and Businesses from the Palm of Your Hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner, an investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel.
2: This episode of the Top Capital Millionaire podcast is sponsored by Hood Estates. Hood Estates is offering a Hood Estates Elite Real Estate Investing Program, as well as a Hood Estates Trucking Program. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also find them on Instagram at Hood Estates. This is the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 105. I think that's right, Rashana.
1: It's right. That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Tide Millionaire, founder and director of the Tide Capital Investment Club, also founder of Tide Acquisitions. Uh, make sure you all leave us a rating or a review, preferably a five star review, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples because they exist. We want people to learn the business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have two special guests. They have a special relationship with Roshana Scott, and I want her to introduce them, please.
1: Well, yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on again as co-host. I've enjoyed being here so far, so I think we got a good run (laughs) going for us. Um, But yeah, so we have the Downing Brothers joining us today who are uh, firefighters by day and house flippers by night or on the weekend. on You know, whatever else, whatever, however many other hours you have in the day to, you know, (laughs) <laughs> do what it is that you love to do so thank you so much uh, Anthony and Anton for joining us thanks so much for being here guys
0: oh thanks for having us
1: yeah yeah so tell us, tell us um, a little bit about yourselves how you got into uh, real estate and the dynamic between uh, being a firefighter and flipping houses
0: well um, our real estate journey starts back in 2007 prior to the recession I bought a condo um and i was so happy i was 25 years old and just so happy to buy my first property and at the time own my own car own this own that you know i had fulfilled what i had felt was the american dream and then the recession hit and but um instead of like many other people just giving up and throwing my hands up and walking away from the property i continued to pay my mortgage keep my credit up study the game you know the real estate game much like not Mono- like the game of monopoly there are rules to the game and learn that if about other financial products like the two or three K rehab loan, which I was able to exercise. And in the process of doing the flip of a second property and holding on to the first one, I kept my credit up and also learned, um, how to how to do a renovation. And then that's where my brother came in. Nice. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, this is Anton down in, uh, you know, the second down in Swan. you know, as I'm sure Anthony's going to emphasize throughout this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't start off the same way with, as Anthony because I went with uh, multi-unit buildings um, right out the gate where where he went with a condo and then, you know, renovating uh, a, a gray zone. So, I, I, but I also used FHA loans. Mm-hmm. I got a three-unit uh, apartment building for 153000 Yes, the market in Chicago can, can do that. Um, and then I refinanced it so that I could use FHA again for the second uh, three-unit apartment building. You know, you write refin- a little. You refinanced it into what? Oh, yeah. I refinanced it into a conventional loan, so, uh, making me eligible to use FHA again, just writing a little letter saying that I'm going to buy this next three-unit in a better neighborhood. Of course, I'm going to live there. And uh, that the square footage is bigger because uh, oftentimes if you're going to buy the same type of property a second time, you would have to put 20% down. But because, uh, you know, I wrote this, this letter stating that this is going to be a, a better situation or um, a, a bigger property, you know, I was and because I didn't have an FHA loan anymore because of the refinance of the first loan. I was eligible to use that FHA a second time. And, 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 so, and again, I just want to interject right here. Again, <laughs> for all of our listeners, you know, I, I just want them to understand, like, this, again, is learning the rules to the game. If you know the rules and what you're eligible to do, there is nothing wrong with, you know, you know going down a path. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I learned, from, for instance, I had an FHA loan on the condo, but I also had an FHA 203K rehab loan because I learned the rules of the game and I was able to, to to write the letter that said I was moving from a condo situation into a single family home. And you know as long as you would know what the rules are and you follow them to the T, then you make yourself eligible for to be able to transition into another situation that you weren't aware of.
2: So my question is, how does one go about learning the rules?
0: Man, you know what? To me, with the power of the internet, and in curiosity, um, you can just really google in because that's what I did. I, I just google searched um, you know how to um, how to buy a um, well actually, I guess I was curious about how to do a renovation, mm-hmm. but I know I didn't have the cash to just do it all out, just all cash buy. And that's how I found out about the rehab loan. And that was just for me typing into, into Google over and over again, different scenarios and reading all the articles. Right. And then also uh, developing relationships with um, loan officers at the banks because they know all the different scenarios right. that you can use to get in and out of uh, different uh, real estate situations. Nice. I think, I think across the many uh, podcasts, like, bigger pockets, earn your leisure, places like that, you will find that they will talk about using small banks, using credit unions. They have just better interest rates. They have better products in general. And I started off with both both those three-unit buildings uh, with Illinois Service Federal, which is a, a, a black bank, and a small bank, right, because they only have like a couple of locations. And I think that, that it's important to uh, – to, to know that bigger banks are going to have more complicated or more stringent rules right. than than the credit union or the small bank.
1: I think that's oh, yeah. a great point. Um, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned Anthony in regards to Googling because I say that all the time, like the information that we need to know today is, is, is literally at your fingertips. And the great thing about it is that this is 10 years ago that you're talking about. And so you were able to figure it out, you know, as far as how to, you know, different ways um, to get in and out of real estate by still utilizing these, you know, small conventional loans, FHA loans. Like, was it the same for you, Anton, that you knew, um, you know, that you should refire into a conventional, like, was that just also researching on the internet, and then how did you know to write a letter? Was it because you know that's what your brother told you, or like how did how did you know to write a letter? And-
0: no. <laughs> what I did is when I, I went back to Illinois Service Federal, I went there to the same loan officer, and I said, "Look, man, I don't have twenty percent to put down on a, a two hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollar three flat right now, like." But I still want this property. I want this property right now. And he was like, okay, write this letter. You know, because sometimes we have to remember, man, these loan officers are only going to get paid if they can get these loans for you. Right. So they're going, if they're good loan officers, they're going to tell you what they need to tell you to get it done. Right.
1: You know,
0: and if, if, they, and if they can't do that, then you need to move along to the next bank or the next uh, brokerage. Yeah, I I just want people. I just want people to understand, especially people from um, that are you know in their twenties, in the very beginning, educating themselves on on the journey. How important developing relationships with people in the industry is. Because if you have relationships with realtors, with loan officers, um, with uh, people with um, inspectors, I mean, you look at all the real estate professionals. You have to have personal relationships with these people because they are aware of the trends and the new financial products and the new ways to move in and out of uh, real estate transactions. And so these personal relationships, like you can't just stay at home and, 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 and wish things to happen for you. Like you have to like, for instance, um, that, 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 uh, real estate and financial, uh, wealth building, uh, seminar that, um, that, that I, that I went, that, that I, what was that just a couple nights nights ago that we went to? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, it's programs like, like those where you meet people so that you can develop those relationships. And while I was there, there was like four or five people who, who came up to me and was like, you know, who are you? And what's your name? And you know, because they had a little icebreaker and I told them who I was and about my real estate journey. And then that person then told me their story. And then, I, and then you, from those interactions, you learn how people got in the real estate game,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: And how they, and, and, and for those who are winning and have a little bit of notoriety, those are the
2: ones you just go to, like, you know, an insect to the light. So we, we kind of skipped over this, and I didn't mean to, but can you guys give us, like, a one-minute bio of what, um, like, what led you to where you are now, like, growing up, what that was like, and then I guess, like, an early life?
0: Um, okay, we have somewhat of an immigrant story with our mother coming to this country from the Bahamas, and um, it had a, a big impact. Particularly, our mother had a big impact on our real estate journey because she came with, she inherited undeveloped land. Um, she, we came from a culture where everybody owned their house. Pe- people didn't rent, like in the Bahamas. There's there, there's, there's there's a little bit of three hundred buildings and things like that, but because of hurricanes and things, most people live in house. You know. And so when she came here and, you know, married my father and, and they got a house by the time we were nine months old and moving forward from there, uh, you know, she wanted to have rental income just so she wouldn't have to work two jobs, which is great because the, the second property, uh, it, it only it only had like a monthly income of like three hundred dollars. But it, OK, we're talking about the 90s, you know, that that was enough for her not to have to work a second job. You know, so watching her do that and riding around with her, going to these um, open houses and um, just being with her when she talked to contractors. And then when she said, I'm going to take it a step further now that you can fast forward into when we're out of college at this point. Um, I want y'all to come with me to the Bahamas to develop this acre of land we have so we can start building duplexes. And, and along every step of the way, we were there with her. And that made me confident, made both of us confident in buying a rental income and then getting into flipping after, let's see, I owned a couple of uh, 300 buildings at this point. That's when Anthony came to me and said, yo, we need to start flipping. So, yeah. (laughs) Right. And, you know, uh, I guess piggybacking on what my brother was uh, talking about, you know, um, back in 2007, buying a condo. And then in 2012, um, you know, uh, you know, doing the renovation of a 3,000 square foot graystone on the South side of Chicago. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, selling, actually selling that property, um, a couple of years later and then taking $80,000, right. Uh, with no capital gains, because it was my primary residence, walked away with $80,000 in cash and was like, okay, let's start flipping properties. And then, you know, going from there, we flipped the three flat, we flipped a single family home. Um, And in the midst of, and also, oh, and then I also bought another multi unit. So, you know, we had a a buy and hold strategy and then also a flip strategy simultaneously. So we had both of those things going on. And then getting, I guess, quote unquote, discovered by HGTV um, in the process. And and, and I think that's a crazy thing because, I mean, we sat up there. How many hours did we sit up there? You know, even, you know, with our mom watching all the shows on HGTV, and then you know, anybody who's into real estate and interior design or flipping houses, you're watching HGTV, but never really thinking like, oh, I'll be on HGTV myself. So, um, you know, and so that that thing happened. It kind of just fell on our lap because we didn't pursue it. It came, it, it came to us. Um, and then, you know, continuing that, you know, with the renovation that we're about to start in um, in a couple of weeks. So. It's just like everything, it was like this elevation thing. It's like we started at the, at the, on the ground floor and we stepped on the elevator and we went from, you know, to the first floor, to the second floor, to the third floor. We just, you know, s- small steps, small steps, more confidence, more money, more experience, more mm-hmm. a big network. Um, and now we're at the point where things are starting to come to us, like, you know, at, at one point, you're chasing everything, and now, now things are starting to come to us, and we can make better decisions with all the experience and wisdom. Because I want to tell you this, too. It wasn't easy. You know, I mean, I, it mm-hmm. may sound easy when I say all the things that we did and, uh, or are doing, currently doing, but we lost money. We had bad contractors. I don't know anybody who hasn't had at least one bad contractor. because <laughs> right when you laugh, I'm like, "He's, an I, he's an
1: the, image, <laughs> the
0: image of that bad contract came straight to his face. The way but um, we bumped our yeah. we were pissed off about a lot of things that happened, but you know, the key was never giving up, never saying this wasn't for us just because a couple of things went wrong. And you know, and, and of course, of course, it's a blessing, right? I have my twin brother. I got my mother. Uh, we have our other family members who give us moral support. Um, and, and then we have a network of friends, and now people that we don't even know who, who follow us and encourage us uh, to keep doing what we're doing because, you know, I guess the one thing that I, that I care about now too is that we're an example um, to mm-hmm. other people of what is possible. Because, right. I mean, there's enough real estate out here for everybody. I mean, you're in Detroit, right? You know, right. like you, people are all across the country listening to this podcast, um, and there's thousands of opportunities. But there's also going to be, you know, hurdles and there's going to be uh, bad situations, but you just can't give up.
1: Right. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually what I was going to ask next. So like you say, you guys started out on house flipping. So how many houses have you flipped to date? I got a couple of questions. How many houses have you flipped to date um, within those challenges? I mean, were you ever ready to like just throw in a towel and say like this, you know, this, this real estate thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna work for us anymore. Um and then also within real estate, uh you mentioned that, you know, you you're doing some buy and hold simultaneously. So what's the end goal? So three different questions there.
0: <laughs> All right. So as far as the the the, the flip question, um essentially it, besides the condo, which was which which actually was brand new when I walked into it, besides that, we renovated every property that we've owned. that we bought Mm -hmm. um and that's one two three four five six seven eight eight okay that's eight properties and we had to and we had to renovate all of them um because really our thing is and i feel like especially because i believe that a market correction is coming and a recession is coming that it was always Mm -hmm. important for us to buy properties below market value and, and, and if you're doing something below market value or significantly below market value, it's because it's a property that needs um, a lot of renovation. A lot of love. A lot of love. And, we're not, and, and, and that's what we were built from, you know, not being afraid to get in there and have to renovate everything in, or, in, order, to, in order to have built-in equity so that we can cushion ourselves. Because that, that hurt and that sting from, from the recession on that first condo, I will never forget. So for me I'm always like every property we get is like how do we insulate ourselves from if if the market drops from the bottom and everything is is worthless well you have to start off by buying a property below market value.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great mm-hmm. point. And then um and then I guess any challenges that you got you guys have had along the way. I mean obviously, you know, opening up walls, losing money, going over budget, you know those challenges weren't. The, I guess it wasn't too significant to say. You know what? Let's just forget real estate and just stick with being firefighters. Like, what? What was it that you know kept that drive?
0: I think I think repetition. Because once we got into a repetition of what this is what we're going to do, and okay, we're going to we're going to renovate, and then we're going to refinance, and then automatically is okay. What are we going to do next? Because the minute that we stop uh, doing a project, you, then you get into oh, I'm just gonna do what everybody else is doing in my firehouse, mm-hmm. or whoever, or, or your office, or wherever you work in in in, in America at this time. So mm-hmm. I, I think that um, it never came into our mind to stop.
1: Okay, yeah. honestly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've never, I've never even made that consideration. I just, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a habit. I mean, you know, just like working out, like I love working out. You know, I love the feeling of working out. And if I do take a couple of weeks off and I stop then I look at myself and say, man, what are you doing? Because that's not who you are. Who you are is someone who works out. You, you're someone who's, who watches real estate, researches real estate, reads about it, listens to podcasts like this one. That's just a lifestyle. And I don't know any, any other way to be.
1: I love that. I love that because Mm -hmm. it's so ingrained into who you are, Um, oftentimes, you know, I talk to people and they're asking about like branding and social media and they're like, well, how do I separate, you know, my personal life from my business? And I'm like, well, why would you, you know, because if it is who you are, then, you know, people do business with who they can relate with, right? Who's relatable and who's authentic. And if you're showing this is who I am and this is what I do and this is what I'm about, then like you mentioned earlier, Anthony, the, the business and the relationships and the deals will come to you because it's a part of who you are you're not trying to hide it Mm -hmm. um and you can't hide it (laughs) (laughs) right so i love it um so you guys obviously you mentioned um a little you know just a few minutes ago you guys have um a a newfound fame (laughs) on hgtv with your uh with the pilot that aired um so tell us about that as much as you can oh how that happened yeah, I guess we can, yeah, how it happened and then, you know, where you guys are uh, today with it. But yeah, how it happened.
0: Well, okay, well, we were helping our cousin uh, renovate a, a six-unit apartment building on the south side of Chicago, off of 74th and Jeffrey. Um, and one one of our guys that we went to college with at the University of Illinois, uh, he said, he's like, I need to bring a director by... Uh, one of your properties we you want to use, like, a basement for, like, a torture scene in his horror film. And I was, I was like, oh, well, we just started renovating this six-unit building. You can come by here. It, it definitely looks like a, a a horror scene down here. So they came by and they looked around. His name is Troy Pryor, by the way. Uh, he runs the Creative Cypher. And uh, after they took a look around, Troy said, just offhandedly, or at least it it sounded, uh, pretty light, much like light, nonchalant. Hey, have y'all ever thought about doing a show on HGTV? Me <laughs> and Anthony looked at him like, no, man, this is just like a side of the thing that we're doing when we're not at the firehouse. He was like, but no, seriously, there, there's a production company in Chicago right now that's that's scouting for, you know, for couples or pairs of uh, of and, and investors for uh, shows that are for people of color. like are literally looking for Minority content, and you know from there, he literally put us on the phone with one of the producers, and like on speakerphone, and we just did like a kind of like an interview over the speakerphone. Like this is when like, he was getting ready to leave. Like this was supposed to be a run of the mill type of situation, and it turned into hey, I'm gonna come by in a few days. And he came by with the another young lady with a big red camera on her on her shoulder. And you know, like, yeah, why don't you all like, you know, rip down this 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 uh this crown molding right here real quick? Uh, hey, can can we have y'all look through this wall and just kind of smile right here? And then she, he was like, let's go outside and let us, let me interview you outside and ask you a few questions. So we're standing outside the building, <laughs> and I'm like, this is really happening. Oh, like, okay. It's and then we didn't hear from him for months after that. Yeah, like four months. Like it was a long. It was a, by the time they called us back, I forgot that we had even did that. Like, cause, cause again, right. we weren't we weren't pursuing hctv We weren't trying to get a TV show. We were just doing our renovations and going to the firehouse and just living our uh, you know regular lives. And then um, I I remember I, <laughs> I was at a wedding in Mexico, in Cancun when uh, the Wi-Fi popped on and I saw I missed like twenty messages because it was like, but my brother had responded to all the messages and stuff like that and then by Thank the time God. <laughs> again twin power somebody to hang your back right. but uh he responded and then uh they got us on three-way and then um you know you know tried to trick us into into thinking that we didn't get the show with hctv or whatever and they say like, no no they actually did fund the pilot and uh now we got to find a property and we got some paperwork we need to fill out. But, uh, yeah, you guys, we're going to do this pilot, and you guys are going to be on TV. I'm like, wow, okay, okay, cool, you know. I mean, the thing is, they were kind of disappointed that we weren't excited. Because, <laughs> again, it like, oh, okay, that's great, you know. You know, I don't know, we're just not excitable uh, by by like TV Hollywood or your know, celebrities. You know how some people get really excited about celebrities and TV and all stuff. It's just like that's just not our thing. So, you know, but just being ourselves is, and I think that's what really what, what got us there. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, but the whole process took like almost from the day that we that we had that phone interview in front of the in the property to the point that it actually aired on TV was a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Now I say I want that. To, I'm saying that because at this point, so we 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 aired on DIY in December, and then we aired on HGTV in January. And of this year, of this mm-hmm. year, and in May it's May now, and we still, you know, haven't, um, you know, signed a deal. We haven't still haven't been offered a, a series deal, and so now it's like okay, well. Since that hasn't, but now the thing is, now we have caught the bug for TV. Because now that we've been on TV, and we walk down the street in Chicago, like if I'm in Hyde Park, like people will stop me, like, "Oh, yeah, you one of the Downer Brothers? Can you come fix my house?" You know, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we get, the, I get this every day. Every day, it's like someone and mm-hmm. um, either either just recognizing us and being and being you know and supporting us. and saying, man, it's great what y'all are doing. I can't wait to see what what happens next. Or uh, people who actually want to hire us but we really don't work for other people we only work on our own projects but um, but that's, that's been exciting but then uh, because of that we went on every TV station every radio station all these different podcasts talking about our journey talking about what we do uh, because people I, I believe people want to know the blueprint and they want to to know that there's somebody else out there who has accomplished what they're trying to do that is a regular, that are regular people, just
2: like they are. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned something, you mentioned twin power. And we also talked about just working as a family, working with your mom, but some people think they can't work with family. How do you, how have you guys been able to do it successfully?
0: Uh, I think think our relationship is unique. Most people trust and love their mother above everybody else. Right. And then the rest of their family is like, "Eh." But because we were born <laughs> twins, it, 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 you know, I liken that trust and that that love and, um, to that relationship we have with our mother because we know without a shadow of a doubt we can, can count on each other. Now, you know, I'm not saying that everyone is going to get that relationship with their siblings or their cousins and things like that, but you do know them the best. You do know your family members the best. I think it's having a level of transparency and being consistent. And I think uh, people talk about this all the time when it comes to any relationship, you know, with a significant other or with family members or friends. It's like who who is consistent, consistently shows up when you say, hey, I need you to show up to to help me, um, you know, do this particular activity. Someone who shows up with the money someone who pays mm-hmm. back the money when they say they're going to pay them back. I like,
1: know that's just, right.
0: Just being consistent. <laughs> it starts with the small things. And then, and then like, everything mm-hmm. else I, I've said in this, com- in this conversation, it's starting small and then building up. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, 12 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, I would have asked my brother for a $100. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Then five years later, I was able to ask him for a couple thousand. And now I can say, oh, you know what? Hey, I, we need... You know i need five thousand dollars to be able to complete this transaction and he's not he's not concerned about whether he's going to get his money back or not because of all the history the consistency Mm -hmm. i I would also like to say this there's a difference between loaning your your family money and investing with your family there's two examples of this uh Mm -hmm. the first one would be Nipsey hustle and his brother black sam Mm -hmm they were in business together. They got strip mall together. They they were doing um the, the properties in Atlanta together. They were doing it together. It wasn't like, Oh, let me hold some money and I'll pay you back. They were in business together. Right. Rick Ross is another example. When his family members were coming to him, he asked them to come with a, uh like a, a, a business plan. He didn't just give his mother and his aunt money. He was like, here, we're going to go in together on these, uh, wing stops. So, Mom, me, and you are going to ha- own this wing stop together. My aunt, same thing. This wing stop together. We're, we're going to go into business together. And I think that having that type of relationship is not only is it safer, but it keeps people from feeling like, oh, I'm just going to keep running to you for money. No, we're going to make money together.
2: So I think what's interesting about what you said is you just named two other immigrants, <laughs> two other second gen immigrants. <laughs> And yeah. I, think that, I think we have the, the mentality messed up where we think that we can't do business with our family when, in fact, those are the people we should be doing business with. You can be transparent with your family because at the end of the day, your family's not going anywhere. They can't run away. Like, your brother can't run off with your business idea. I mean, he could if he wanted to, but he's not likely, especially if he's your twin. So I think that right. a lot of people think one way and it might be wrong. I think that focusing on the family is really the hack. Yeah, Absolutely
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. but i think it's um i think it's about having skin in the game like just continue what my brother was saying like you know rather rather than just saying give me the money like hey let's go form an llc together Mm -hmm. let's go get a business bank account together let's go, go purchase this property and go to this closing and sign for this property together right like it's the togetherness of the process of learning together and building together and, and, and benefiting together from, from the work. So it's just like, you know, I, I think that's the one thing it's like, man, go ahead and, and make a partner out of it. Don't just say, Oh, I need to look, get some money from you. Like I'm trying to get money from a bank, like develop partnerships, real partnerships.
1: Yeah. I think that's so powerful um, because in our community, you know, um, that's lacking a lot and you know within the african-american community uh, we have so many reasons as to why we can't um versus you know why we can and i actually read you know this i think it was literally just last night um saying and, and it was a post that said something along those lines that um nowadays you know and not even nowadays but again just within the community you know our community as our elders you know uh, parents or grandparents they get older they're actually looking to the young ones you know the younger ones the daughters the granddaughters uh, or the grandkids to support them Mm -hmm. to support up where generational wealth is about Mm -hmm. um supporting down right um and supporting the generations that come after you whereas in our community it's 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 almost inevitable and and I mean, we know that because we live it, but it's, it's so true. And and it seems to be the norm, right? It seems to be the norm that when you, you know, your, uh, your parents or your grandparents, you know, they're ha- down on hard times that, you know, that they're going to ask you to help out. And of course you want to, you know, you're going to, because, you know, they took care of you and they raised you. But if we could get the culture to shift that mentality, um, to think you know that again this generational wealth is about me passing down not about them passing up um i think we can you know obviously really make a big impact across and you know what
0: i want to speak to solutions right because you've identified a problem so here, here's some solutions to that you know if we're going to actually build generational wealth meaning money that is passed down to the people after you to your family after you we have to have life insurance policies okay you need a term life insurance policy you need a whole life uh life insurance policy Right. Um, so it's not just, and then you, you, you own real estate, you have a will and a trust so that you can pass that uh, real estate. So it's a smooth transaction after you uh, pass away to, you know, to your sons and daughters, nieces and nephews. So it's like life insurance and real estate that then passes on that wealth to the next generation so that they can have it, have it easier. You know, it, the, and then health insurance. And, you know, and learning the game of, of health health insurance and how you could, if you have health insurance, how you can uh, put uh, your, your parents or, or someone else that, that, that becomes your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dependent. Um, dependent. Dependent. Right, right mm-hmm. on your health insurance so that you don't have that health insurance debt that becomes, you know, comes along. Or learning how to, to just be involved in the system in, in any kind of way. Um, but, like, we, we have to educate people about it about life insurance, health insurance, buying real estate, and having a retirement plan and a succession plan. Right. Like those, that, that's the answers to the things you said, because a lot of times we, we always identify what the problems are, but what are the solutions? And those are the solutions.
2: I think another solution is just doing business together. Um, so I was considering getting into the trucking industry. My father-in-law has a CDL, he has the experience. And so me going off and getting a truck by myself, it's a little bit more risk on on the lender. But if I bring in my father-in-law, we partner on that deal, the deal the, is done. Like, they're like, oh, he has a CDL. Oh, he has 20 years of driving experience. Oh, you have the credit. You have the money. And so a lot of our solutions can be solved by teamwork instead of just depending on one person to save us. And so instead of like right. depending on that guy to do all the work and all the lifting and say, here, grandma, I'm, I'm going to put you on my back. It's like, grandma, let's, let's get this house for you. You're already paying rent. Let's just put you in a house and we'll pay off the house over the next 20 years. Maybe you got to right. get a roommate like we gotta be strategic and work together as well. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. So with you guys, um, with being within this um, this journey of, you know, HGTV and getting your pilot launched and things like that, what were some lessons that you guys learned throughout this um, year and a half or two-hour journey? I mean, two-year two journey.
0: Like you said, two-hour journey. Um, yo seriously i think one of the biggest things is like even okay so you know we have to do our research and analysis and learn the, the rules of engagement or the game of real estate you have to do we have to do the same thing when it comes to tv and film like what are the rules like what is ownership mean You know, because we all know from real estate, you want to own the property. You don't want to rent it. You don't want to be you want you want the ownership so you can make decisions and sit at the table. Same thing with with um, with a TV show, like you want equity in the show or ownership of the show to be an executive producer or a creator, because most of the money is at the top. The talent only makes so much. Mm. And it's not until the talent becomes becomes an executive producer or the creator of the show that they get a bigger piece of the pie. So, no matter what um you're deciding to get involved in, whether it's the trucking industry um the real estate mm-hmm. industry or the film industry, you have to figure out um the rules of engagement so that you can become an owner of said truck house or t v show
1: yeah, yeah, and I love that um you know I think that's probably the fifth time that you've mentioned. Um, the rules, right? Figuring out what the rules are, learning what they are, diving deep into the rules. And um, yeah. I think that that's what's stopping so many people. Um, either, you know, they don't understand how to find it, how to research it, or just how to understand it. And I had a mentor who shared with me very early on um, that the game may change, but the rules will say, the same so as long as you figure out what the rules are you know you can be successful whatever it is that you want to that you want to accomplish so i think you know that there's definitely um some some meat there you know diving into the rules of you know figuring this thing out right
2: one of the rules that you mentioned that i think was really interesting that a lot of people might not know about is that i want to say it's the 121 exemption where if you sell your single family, or your personal residence, that you can take like a quarter million of that money tax-free. Another rule that you talked about, and this is Anton, I wanted to ask you this question, is you bought the house, you bought your first three unit with the FHA and then you refinanced. So I'm assuming that you had to build equity in that in order to refinance. How did you build equity? Did you build it through just waiting on the equity or did you force it through uh, rehabbing the property?
0: Uh, One, as soon as I purchased the property, I renovated all of the kitchens and bathrooms. It was about, what, maybe 14 months later when I did this refinance. So by by that time, you know, most properties, they appreciated like 3%, you know, even in the hood. There was some built-in equity. It was funny because uh, it was a paramedic. I didn't know this until after the closing. But Chicago Fire Department paramedic owned the property before me, and he gives me a call on, from Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's where he he moved for his retirement. And he and he said and I asked him, you know, how low would you have gone with that property? Cuz I bought it from you for 153. How low would you have gone? He said, "Oh, I would have went down to 130." I was I threw my hands up "Oh man, I wish I had known that." <laughs> so I say that to say that there was already, you know, built in equity, right? Mm-hmm. And like right now, I plan on refinancing it, and um, I, I intend on refinancing it at, at a value of two hundred thousand. Again, this will be this is my second time refinancing the property. So uh, I guess to answer your question, um, renovating the property, and 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 just knowing the value of the properties around you, because right. the comps around me for, for all the three units, we're, we're all they're all over the place, from from one sixty all the way up to
2: two twenty five. So you bought it for one hundred and fifty. How much did you spend in rehab? And then how much was it worth after you rehabbed it? Uh, I spent 5000 per
0: unit. There's three units in the building, so it was about 15000
2: You mentioned that the market is hot right now. You said you mentioned that the market is due for a correction, but you guys are still finding deals. How are you finding deals with equity built in and a market that's performing so high?
0: All right, so... the, the, the I the key i believe um and you know it it depends on how advanced you are in your journey right because there's certain things we can do that other people can't do now but um it's it's being able to find properties on short sales on foreclosures um going to the uh to a tax sale um we have something called the cook county land bank because chicago is sits within cook county and i think detroit is within wayne county wayne county right and so I don't know if there's a, a Wayne County land bank.
2: There's a, a Detroit land bank.
0: Detroit land bank. Okay. So for people who aren't familiar with, with these, with these land banks, um, most of the major cities have, um, have land banks uh, where you can get properties that are distressed or, or sometimes they're in pretty good condition. Every once in a while you can find one that's in pretty good condition, um, but the taxes just weren't paid on them. And so you can get them below market value. You can get a property that's worth, one hundred and fifty grand for a hundred thousand, and come in and it just needs five thousand or ten thousand dollars of worth of cosmetic work. Usually those are single family homes, though. Um, so I mean, it, it's really trying. You know, you're not going to find fully finished, fully renovated properties below market value. That's not how the game works. For those who are listening who have never done this, like you know, you you're going to have to do some work. It's gonna take a while. And another thing too is I'm not there's not a whole lot of these properties. It it may take months or a whole year to locate a property and then actually take possession of it. You know, so um did, did that answer the
1: question? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you
0: find yeah. The yeah. Yeah,
1: it's a yeah, answer and finding other avenues um, to invest and to get started yeah. right there are people who uh inbox me all the time and say oh i can't find a property i'm stuck on the mls well you know have you um tried to like as you mentioned <clears throat> go after <clears throat> excuse me short sales foreclosures tax liens and deeds you know uh, cook county land bank or any other land bank or um as well as you know building relationships with your local wholesalers or becoming you know a local wholesaler uh figuring out the different tactics that they use to find off-market deals um so no you're you're absolutely right it's about becoming resourceful and understanding that you are going to have to do some work uh in terms of you know adding value and and finding that equity
0: and like yeah. i mentioned earlier too Um, every property that we bought, excluding the condo, which was the very first property, every property we bought, we renovated that like, there's no way, in my opinion, there's no way of getting around that. If you're trying to buy, find properties that have equity built into it, it's because it's a, it's a, the worst property on the best block, right? It's a property that's dilapidated or abandoned or whatever, whatever situation you found it in. Um, and it's below value because of that. Which is why we had to go in and then drop however much money uh, to get it, you know, you know, you know, back up to value.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, in regards to renovating. Um, so are you guys uh, also general contractors, or you know, how do you just manage? You know, your no, own we, crews.
0: Yeah, we just manage our own crews. Like, we, well, we. Be- like general contractors but
1: we um, (laughs) don't (laughs) yeah but
0: but what we what we've done uh, you know for for time's sake for us is we we hire general contractors so that they can you know get the permits and things of that nature and then we just guide them through um, exactly what we want and and the thing is you do even if you're working with a general contractor you have to know what you want done you have to guide them specifically through what you want done because if you let them just do what they want to do, it may not be in your best interest
1: right? yeah, so what has been some challenges uh by working with the general contractors like do you are are you still working with your J, g, your g c that you first hired eight projects no. ago <laughs> <laughs> no no um no. and and, and,
0: and, not, and you know what we we pretty much have have continued to kind of move around when it comes to, 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 to contractors. Even though the one we're working with now, I believe I'm pretty confident based on his track record that we'll be working with him for a long time. Um, but no, we, we've had some issues with contractors. Mainly the issues with contractors is that they sell you on their ability to, uh, to complete a project, meaning that they have the manpower and the know-how uh, to do what you need done. <laughs> And, and, then, and then they end up not having the manpower or, they, or you know, that first week you see like six, seven people um, working and then every week uh, they lose a man, they lose a man, they lose a man. Before you know there's it, two people working, like why is this project? So- I, 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 I want to interject here, just being gender neutral, <laughs> you know, staffing, because on that project, that first episode of Double Down, we did have a female contractor on there that did our tiling and uh and did a great job on the town and you can actually see her in the episode so just to be you know we're very gender neutral over here <laughs> yeah but i mean it's it's just like when you talk about research like you you have to go and look at the contractor's work you need to ask them where where's your your last project or Are you currently working on a project and then go to that project and see what's going on. And if, you, and if by chance you can actually talk to whoever it is that owns that property about their experience thus far. That's, that's difficult, you know, they may, but it, you might accidentally run into whoever owns the property they're currently working on. Yeah. And, and also it's just like um, having them identify who they, you know, how many people they work for them, what their names are, and what their skill sets are so that they can tell you, okay, this is what what we can do. Like, you have to ha- ask questions, not be afraid to ask questions. Right. Some people are just afraid to ask questions. No, this is your money and your time. Ask questions. If they can't answer comfortably and answer your questions about um, the skill set of their employees and how many employees they have and where the last job that they did and pictures of it or physically allowing you to come to that work site, you probably need to keep on moving, looking for another contract.
2: I feel like being able to talk to a contractor like that because i mean that takes some boldness right there do you think that you were mm-hmm. that bold in the beginning or do you think that you've grown to become that bold
0: Grown. Okay. i mean we've grown in, in all ways like you know some, you know you I, I know people saw see us on tv or they see us on these interviews and stuff like that and they think that that's the, that we were like this from the beginning or always like no this is just the finished product and we're not even finished right we're still growing we're still learning you know uh, how to better do what we do and there's things that um that i hope that we can learn from you all that we can add to our toolbox but you have to ask the hard questions
2: right i think rashana was born that bold though
1: <laughs> you know what cool. uh probably <laughs> probably um you hey, know. that's why
0: we plan to work with you one day you know
1: <laughs> yeah i was told that i came into this world grown and um i was very curious uh growing up as well as um one greek philosopher i forget who it was uh when i when i found out that he was actually banned um for asking too many questions you guys know who i'm talking about no um i'll look it up um
0: you I can't remember. To talk about, uh, aristotle or i think okay. it's probably Aristotle.
1: no it aristotle. wasn't uh, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll let you guys know. No, and then Charles can add it to the show notes. But um, <laughs> he's actually banned. He was exiled uh, from the town from the town for asking too many questions, and uh, the people exiled him because they thought he was just trying to be a smart ass and they were uh, embarrassed by asking them, you know, asking them questions that they didn't know the answers to uh, when essentially he was just trying to get people to understand that you don't know what you don't know Um, and asking more questions to find out and to be curious. And then, you know, once I found that out, I was like, oh, I've been doing the right thing from the beginning. Absolutely.
0: I mean, I think curiosity combined with ambition, yeah, combined with with do with the ability to have due diligence to know the rules and to and to ask questions of people who have done what you're trying to do, and then adding value to um to people because people fences
1: again because of this
0: notoriety that we have, we get inboxed and DMs about you know people who want to uh, work with us or shadow us or intern with us and and this and the other. And and you know, my first question is, how can you help us? I know that's because right. our time is valuable and we can't just have a hundred people marching around with us everywhere we go. We like you guys have to add, you know, add value. And um and, and ask and, and and so I'm always again asking questions. So what, what is it that you're interested in? What is it that you want to do? This, that, and the other. And then I guess we mm-hmm. end up telling our story or we tell them our current strategy on the property that we're about to work on or the project that we're about to film. And then I I hear myself through these questions and answers really teaching myself all over again.
1: Mhm mhm but that's where it started right it started with you um going out and taking action and doing things so it, instead of someone coming to you and saying hey can i shadow you or can i can you mentor me they they should actually come and say hey this is what i've done this is what i've tried this is where i failed you know this is what um what i tried and, and and i and i'm stuck you know, and, and asking specific questions, uh, in order to help them get to the next level. I also read something the other day that said, you know, there's so many people out here looking for a mentor when a mentor actually is the one who finds you. Um, the mentor is the one who sees that this is somebody who is trying and they are investing in themselves. You know, how do you expect somebody to invest in you when you haven't even started investing in yourself yet?
2: And not only that, I think that people should really approach with, approach it with like, what can I do for you? A lot of times they'll see you and they'll say, oh, they're already rich. They don't need to be richer. But maybe they do need some help in getting to the next level and you could help them get to the next level. So many people want to extract value when they should really plan to add value. That's what I do. Anytime I approach yeah. anybody, I'm like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I promote for you? What can I put you on As opposed to like, I got this question because we all get hundreds of people who are like, I need advice. I have a question. What should I do? This is my situation. And I think if you've tried that over and over and it's not working, you should probably try a different strategy. Um, I wanted to ask, because we haven't talked about this before we start wrapping up the show, and my question is how do you guys manage the dynamic of being firefighters and investors?
0: Well, this has been by trial and error, because I can tell you right now, Mm -hmm. um, we're on different shifts, 24-hour shifts. So that has, in a way, helped us be at the property, be omnipresent at the property all the time because our contractors don't know or always will assume, I should say, that we're going to be around to see what's going on. And uh, we work eight days a month. as firefighters—eight Eight 24-hour shifts a month. Really? And so that has been probably the most God-sent par- part of being firefighters because if we worked nine-to-fives, I don't know how we could have gotten through all of these projects. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just a blessing to have the schedule that we have and then for us to have, um, you know, schedules where one of us is always available. And then, you know, the other thing too is, it's like having that income, that steady income that every two weeks, that, 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 uh, that W2, you know, helped in the very beginning with, you know, establishing the, the credit, saving up the money, and um, being able to attain the finance and to do all those projects in the beginning, yeah. So um, it, it's yeah. just been it's been great. We've been blessed, and uh, and we're not um, we're, we're not we're not fools. We understand we've been, we 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 were born into special circumstances. We were literally born into a special circumstance, having each other, and then um, and then then you know the the firefighter career, and then. The HGT, HGTV uh, opportunity, and then also the stuff that we got baking right now that we, you know, really can't talk about right now. But this summer is about to be amazing too, because of the stuff that we're we're, we're going to be filming in, in uh, over the summer. So um, it can't, it won't stop, can't stop. You know, check out <laughs> you know, the brothers dot
1: com. the Downer
0: Brothers on Instagram, and, and check out what we're doing. You know,
1: yeah, and, and I think you know it's great that. You know, you mentioned the power of leverage, right? Because now in today's day and age, everybody wants to just up and quit their jobs and go be a full-time entrepreneur without having a, a real plan in place, uh, while at the same time, you can just, you know, stay the you are, ride it out, and create a plan to help you uh, st- strategically pivot you know to uh the the next levels right i mean you guys are on tv and you still you know are um working your you know your jobs, even though you have an interesting schedule but you're able to leverage that and leverage the um relationship that you have because like i said when one person is working one person is available and you're able to make it work you know it's about making it work with uh what you currently have Mm -hmm. so Uh, I'm proud of you guys. I'm excited to, you know, just see um, what you've accomplished so far and then what you're going to do in the future. I mean, we need more and more um, successful Black brothers, you know, to... um, you know, be in this position and say like this is what how we started, this is why we started, and you know, this is what we're doing today. We figured it out. We did our research. We talked to the lenders. We wrote those letters. We 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 kept our jobs. We kept our credit up so mm-hmm. we could be in a position to refinance. And you know, and, and it's just like a snowball effect. Um but I'm excited to uh see you guys, you know, do what you're doing. So thank you guys so much for being on the show. I know Charles has a couple of um last minute a, a wrap-up questions uh, that he wants to leave leave off with. So I'm
2: going to fire these off at you really quick. I think I know the answer to the first one. The first question is, what is your best real estate advice? Get a twin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do your
0: research. Learn the rules of the game and then go out and make it happen. Right. Yeah. There's a reason why we have these shirts that say dream, plan, execute, because – you know having a dream you then need to have a plan a fleshed out plan and then you need to execute that plan like not sit on it for years and years thinking about it but actually do it even if it doesn't work out right the first time
2: i'm glad you talked to the shirts and i knew that was going to be the answer to that question who is somebody you look up to and why
0: Mm, me I, i look up to my mother. You know, yeah. I, mean, I look at, I look at my mother moving to a country that she had never been to. She, you know, my, my father, you know, Chicago police officer, public servant, you know, he was, he was always there, but it was my mother that, that was the one who said, let's go buy this house. Let's go buy this other property. Let's go re- do this renovation. Let's make these moves in the Bahamas. Let, let Work two jobs. Manage a renovation, and then she also has five sons. Like I look at when my mother, she juggled so many things. It's like, how could I not possibly be able to do what I'm trying to do or what we're currently doing? When I look at back at everything that she was uh, was juggling, and then she's always there to remind us. Back 20 years ago, I was doing X, Y, and Z. Blah 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 blah. blah. And then she really gets pissed off. That Bahamian accent comes out. <laughs> but um, to, that's my that's my answer. That's my hero. You know.
1: Mhm. I think. Like, mm-hmm, I, yep, I second that. <laughs>
2: what is your favorite business book?
1: Or real estate. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Or real estate.
1: Well, you
0: know, I, me—I started off like a lot of other people, man. Rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. You know, when I and then I looked at the quadrants, and I and I looked at you know the, that's when I learned when I read that book, I learned the difference between the asset and the liability, right? And how you want more assets. The liabilities, or that you want to have an asset that pays for the liabilities that you want in your life, because there's certain liabilities like a nice car or fancy clothes or vacations; those are all liabilities. But do you have an asset like a like a piece of property that's paying for those liabilities? So that rich dad for that.
1: Yeah, and how old were you when you read it?
0: Um, I was in high school, so I was probably about maybe 16. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that was high school. You sure that was? That's why yeah. I, that
1: was Anton, like, I was there. I don't remember that. <laughs> that was
0: it was no, I, mean, I remember being in high school, but I feel, I feel like, okay, we graduated from high school a semester early in January uh, of, of 2000. And I feel like it, it might have been more towards the end of our high school, but either way, yeah, it, yeah, it was definitely high school. A I feel here looking I'm up, read the book before he did. That's why. I, I do everything first. I read the book. Oh my God. Uh, I put oh, down, really? He, got, he finally got to his senior
1: year. That's funny. <laughs> so, what made, you guys, I, what made you guys read the book? Like, how'd you even find out about it? I
0: think our stepfather uh, gave us that book. Yeah, I think it was because he was a <laughs> loan officer and he was making a lot of money, too. This, remember, this is before, way before the recession. He was making hand on fist money um, uh, as a loan officer and he was he was big on real estate, just like my mother. And then, uh, yeah. In fact, shout out Gordon Mosley. He's from Detroit. You know, he brought that, that Detroit energy to Chicago real estate. Day. So, you know, all rest in peace. You know, yeah,
2: peace. <laughs> what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail or never get started?
0: I don't know. I think a passion. Passion for wanting to make their life better. Passion for seeing a dream in their mind become reality. Passion that that there is such a big fire that no amount of adversity can put it out, you know. So it's like you, you have to really be about this life. It can't be a part-time mm-hmm. thing. It may start off as a part-time thing because, you know, because of a full-time job, but it has to be a full-time, you know, thing that you think about.
1: Anton, you second that or...? <laughs>
2: I'm just
0: thinking back in my life, and I and I and Anthony graduated from college for one time. Okay, <laughs> I did not, and and I was thinking, oh, um, we live in the frat house. I really enjoy being down here. It doesn't matter that that I'm gonna stay down here for another year. And then most of my frat brothers and friends left, and Champagne did not feel as fun anymore. You know, then I was like, okay, I'm about to be serious. Cause I don't, I want to be in Chicago now, but you, you have, it has to be, sometimes we have to be in a place, uh, where you're fed up with your situation. Which fraternity? Okay.
2: Very cool. I'm five beta sigma. So anyway, um, where can people find out more about you guys? Where can they find you online? Where can they follow you? Where can they, um, support what you're doing
0: they can find us on instagram uh and uh, uh on instagram uh, the downing brothers um facebook the downing brothers the internet the dot and twitter also <laughs> the downing the downing bros okay
1: <laughs> and youtube right are you guys on youtube
0: oh and well we're developing our youtube right now right um, we haven't rolled it out yet very yeah, good. we haven't wrote that out, but when it comes out, people are going to get to see a lot of content of firsthand us in the properties, doing the renovations and, right. and things of that nature. You uh, know, we have a lot of exciting things that's going to be on that YouTube as far as the work that we're doing in renovation and TV. So, yeah, right. you on to look out for that.
1: So just Google the Downing Brothers pretty much. Yes. And then you
0: can see all the articles and all the, everything that's been written about us.
1: Nice. Okay, cool.
2: Any closing remarks, Roshana?
1: Um, actually, yeah. oh, oh my,
0: oh, oh, I'm sorry, but right this, before y'all, before okay, we go, I just want to put this book up right here, landlording on autopilot. That's, i got a lot from this book. So I'll have
2: to check that um, out.
1: I'm going to come by. <laughs> yeah, finish.
0: let's see. The author is Mike Butler.
1: Let me know when you finish it, Anton. I'm going to come pick it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i'll give it to you no
1: problem um so yes a closing remark uh again thank you guys so much for being on the show and then anton um you actually reminded me of something that i used to say all the time that i haven't said in a while um which is people don't grow up until they have to And I realized that, you know, I grew up very early because I was tired. I was tired and fed up within my situation. And so I was like, you know, well, what do I have to do to get to where I want to be or where I need to be? And, you know, I think that is um, one thing that that is, um, I guess you can say holding a lot of uh, younger people back is that, you know, they're still being baby. And, and, and I think, you know, yeah, when you, when you get in a position or when you get to a point in life where, you know, you, you're ready to grow up, that's when, you know, you start to take things serious and, um, and you start to change. So. Yes.
2: What events do you have going on, Roshanna? Where Where can people find out what you have going on?
1: So uh, I'm Roshanna Scott everywhere. I made it easy for you guys to follow me. So you can Google me as well. But Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, all Roshanna Scott um, across every platform. Um, as far as events, um, I do have some speaking events coming up. So I'll be in Atlanta, New York, um, Miami, and I have another event in Chicago. But if you guys go to my Instagram, you can see um, all of those flyers and pluggers there.
2: Very cool. So this has been episode number 105. Anybody interested in joining the investment club, email us at membership at capital Check out the website, www.capitaltie.com and also support this show by supporting the store, which can be found at www.gumroad.com backslash Todd Capital. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, signing off.